following talk is from St. Michael's Fowell, a gospel-centered community for Fowell, Teddington, and beyond. Our passion is to see every life following Jesus. For more information, visit our website, stmichaelsfowell.co.uk. So we're going to turn to uh, the book of 1 Peter in the Bible. One of the things we try to do on Commission Sunday is all preach on a similar passage, on a, on a similar theme, and so uh, all of our network of churches um, are uh, in 1 Peter chapter 3, it's page 1219. We're going to hear about um, having a reason, being able to give a reason, if we speak to other people, about the hope that Jesus gives us. Page 1219. And uh, let me invite Patrick up. Patrick's going to read... Verses 15 to 18. So as you know, 1, 2, 1, 9. The people going on the apps, like my wife, you got it yet? Good. Okay. So, but in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Um, so yeah, keep that open. One, two, one, nine. We're going to have a little look at that and look a little bit at the context as well. But before we do that, let me pray. Father, thank you, as we have done for commission. Thank you uh, for the many other churches that are faithful gospel churches that love Jesus and want the world to love Jesus and London to love Jesus. Help, you to inspi- help us to be inspired by Jesus this morning to love him more, to be devoted to him more, so that it flows out from us and we will be able to give a hope, a reason for the hope that we have. Amen. Um, as, as you've heard, uh, co-mission this year, the kind of focus is going to be on evangelism. Uh, one of the taglines, I think Sai said it earlier, is reaching London for Christ. Uh, the commission, this co-mission Sunday, the theme is the reason for our hope. Revive this year, the teaching, that brilliant festival that we have, will be on personal evangelism, our role in evangelism, as is actually the men's morning in March, coming up at some point in March. And and evangelism, it's a word that we bandy around in churches, but it's simply just telling other people the good news, the amazing news, the life-changing news about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, of course, a great thing to do. But often I have one of two reactions when I hear that uh, there's going to be a talk or a conference or a a Bible study or a sermon on evangelism. My my first reaction typically is guilt. You know, I'm sure some of you possibly are feeling that right now. You know, I know I should be doing it, but I'm not. I get the gospel. I know the truth that people need to hear about Jesus so that they can be saved from hell 
for glory, eternal life with Jesus. I get that, but I'm not doing it, so I feel guilt. My second reaction often is that I'm rubbish uh, and incompetent. I can't do it. I, I don't know what to say. People might think that I'm foolish or stupid or weird or a combination of all three of those things. Another reaction that people have told me, it feels like they've got apathy. You know, the thinking that I don't need to do it, someone else will do it. They, they feel more strongly about this. They're, they're more passionate about it. They're, they're more gifted. I'm not gifted as an evangelism. My gifts are different and I use those for the church. I don't need to do that. So guilt, incompetence, apathy are they quite often reactions that I get and I'm sure many of you do too when you hear it's going to be a talk on evangelism. What are you feeling? This is a sermon on evangelism and it's not just generally evangelism, this is on personal evangelism. You talking to others about Jesus. Do any of those reactions strike a chord with you? Now, my prayer is, as we did at the start, is that actually we'd be encouraged this morning. That we'd all feel that we can do it. More than that, we'd want to do it, to engage with evangelism. And we'll realize, actually, we have lots of opportunities to do it, day by day, week by week, hour by hour. Now, there's libraries full. There's lots of wisdom that, about how to engage with evangelism. You know, a huge volume of resources you can find to help you know what you might say, how to answer particular questions. If you want to know about that, chat to Sai later on. He'll give you access to his library. He'll have books of them, shelves of them, I'm sure. But let's, this morning, go right back to first principles. What is evangelism at its heart? Evangelism literally means proclaiming good news. And it's, it's good news, amazing news, and life-changing news about the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're talking about the life, the death, the resurrection, or the future return of Christ, we're talking about the gospel, the good news. The Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God who lived perfectly died sacrificially, rose to reign all things in glory and will return as God's eternal king, as judge. If you're a Christian, you already knew that. That's not news to you, is it? You've got that. You believe that. Because at the heart of a Christian faith is a devotion, a love, a dependence on the Lord Jesus Christ. And all we do in evangelism is talk about what we already know and believe. Look at that verse, 1 Peter 3, verse 15, page 1219, wasn't it? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Those first few words, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Revere is to honour, to respect, to hold in, in high esteem. It's to make Jesus the centre, the most important in your life. Our passion for Jesus, our love, our honour, our dependence on him. It's the fuel 
that will desire us to talk about him, engage in evangelism, proclaim others the truth about Jesus, flowing out from our reverence for Christ. Because it's true, is it? We talk about what we're passionate about. If you love politics, you'll talk about politics. If you love sport, you'll talk about sport. You know, what are you passionate about? What do you enjoy talking about? What are you likely to chat about over coffee? Or more particularly, with your colleagues or your university mates or wherever it is you are during the week? What are you likely to talk about? What are the topics you enjoy talking about? Maybe it's you love football. You know, maybe this afternoon you're planning to watch the FA Cup match between Liverpool and Arsenal. And so tomorrow you can envisage the conversation over the water cooler or whatever it is people have these days. Yeah, did you see the Liverpool-Arsenal game yesterday? What a match. Never a penalty. But they're missing Salah, whatever it is. I'm just very conscious of this because my twins, one supports Liverpool, one supports Arsenal. So they will be talking about it because they're both very interested in it. We talk about what we're passionate about. So likewise... The more we love, revere, honour the Lord Jesus Christ, the more we're passionate about him, the more we'll talk about him. It will flow out from us. So if you only hear one thing this morning, let it be this. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Think about him. Delight in him. Learn more about him. Who he is? What did he do? What did he say? What is he doing right now? What has he promised for us? Reflect on his beauty, his majesty, his authority, his power. Revere Christ as Lord. And of course, this isn't a chore. People think it's sermon on evangelism, this is going to be hard. No, this is, this is a delight. Our hearts will be warmed. Our identity will be strengthened. Our purpose will be clear. Our peace will be real. And according to verse 15, your hope will be obvious. Now, I don't know how well you know this, but Peter wrote this letter to Christians who were facing a tough time because of their faith. He describes them earlier in the book, as, in the letter, as foreigners and exiles, strangers, aliens, living in a foreign land. They were in a minority. The, the culture they lived in didn't understand them. More than that, they were actually actively opposed because of their faith in Jesus. What they believed was weird and countercultural. They had different moral and ethical standards than their colleagues and neighbours. They made different choices about life. People slandered them, opposed them. Just look back at verse 14, the verse before we heard. Sometimes they even suffered for doing good. And the good in this context is living, as, living God's way following his plan and direction, being righteous. And that caused them to, be, to stand out, to be different, to be noticed. I don't know, does any of that ring true for you, living in you know, very West London, but not the most West London we heard earlier? You know, living in a culture that is far removed from our Christian faith. In essence, feeling something like a foreigner in our own town because of our belief in Christ. Trying to live God's way, to be righteous in his sight, means that we are likely to look weird in the world we live in. Or even dangerous and misguided. But as Christians, we're called to live 
God's way, to follow Christ's example, to revere Christ as Lord. And we're told in that passage, if you just look back to verse 8, what that looks like. I'm just going to run through it very quickly, but you know, as you skim over it, verse 8, be united, sympathetic, loving, compassionate, humble, forgiving, be a blessing. Verse 11, turn from evil, do good, seek peace and pursue it. Why? Verse 12, because the Lord's eyes are on you, the righteous. God is listening to your prayers. Verse 14, even if you suffer, for being righteous, you are blessed. God's blessing is on you. And the summary of this call is verse 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. If you do that, you'll be noticed. You'll stand out. Some will oppose you. You may face opposition. It may be hard, but you'll be blessed. God will be looking on you. God will be listening to you. Your hope in Christ is your security. So so revering Christ as Lord may well have some negative consequences, but some will notice, and they'll ask you about your faith, your hope. Some will notice your life. Look again, verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you the reason for the hope that you have. Your hope will be obvious. So obvious that people will ask you why and how you can have that hope. And what is this hope? Well, it's in the person of Jesus Christ. Our hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a confidence that to face all of life, Good times, hard times, happy times, desperate times, with hope. And people will notice that. Um, just this Thursday, Sai and I were actually at a funeral. Uh, Sarah, uh, she was in her late 40s. Her two sons, they were around about 20, one just under, one just over. Andy, her husband, so some of you know Andy Fenton, uh, music ministry. Andy, her husband, spoke and talked about the hope and the joy and the victory that we have because of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was at his wife's funeral, who was 49. He talked about the fact we're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors. Sarah had been suffering awfully with MS for over 20 years. But throughout that, her hope was obvious. People asked her, they asked Andy, They even asked her boys about that hope. Our hope in the gospel, our hope in the resurrection, our hope in the future with Christ is a visible difference to a world that has no hope but is desperate for it. Is our reverence, our adoration, our passion for the Lord Jesus Christ so obvious that people might ask us about it? And if someone does ask us about our hope, how do we respond? Well, look again at that verse. It's um, verse 15. Always. 
It's so important to tell people about the hope that we have, always. Not even when we feel up for it, not when we feel equipped, not when we're alert, not when we're ready to use our great rhetorical skills of debate, always. Uh, A church minister I know uh, has a rule that if he's heading to a meeting uh, and he ends up in a conversation with a neighbor, he'll always talk to them, even if he's running late. Because no matter what time he turns up for that scheduled meeting, he's not late because he always takes the chance to talk to non-Christians. Now, I'm not sure that's an excuse you can use effectively if your, Christian isn't a, your boss isn't a Christian. So don't push that. That won't go well. But you get the point. Always be prepared. Always. People need to hear about the hope of heaven, the good news about Jesus. I'm a a governor of a local primary school uh, back in Walton and was getting a lift back from a meeting with one of the governors and I knew she had school-age kids but I didn't know actually she still had a toddler at home. And so when she told me that, I thought, ah, I'm going to tell you about our church toddler group. And she was a little bit interested in that but I then also led on to talking about Christmas and our nativity service which is carnage, amazing and fun. Uh, And she thought, oh, great. And she came along with her family and she brought three other families. This was on Christmas Eve this year. Um, Just because I thought, oh, I'll try this. She came. Always be prepared. It's not accidental. It's not random. Be prepared. What will that take for you to be ready to talk about the hope that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ? How does Jesus give you hope in dark times? What difference does he make to you and to your world? Are you prepared to talk about him, what you're passionate about? And let's, you know, as a church family, help each other, encourage each other, share stories, pray together for those that you're talking to so that you will be prepared. Um, On our, you know, there's all sorts of good ways of communicating. Our our residents' WhatsApp group of the little close that we live in, um, I put a flyer or you know, PDF of a flyer about an any questions event that we were running at church. One of the neighbours said his questions were too complicated, so he wasn't going to come. But at our, our street party for the coronation, I just asked him, said, well, what are those questions that you've got? Um, it led on to a conversation. And we're now actually looking together through John's Gospel. He's still got questions. He's not yet a Christian. I think he's using it as a kind of academic reasoning. He's quite intrigued by the answers. But I'm praying for him praying that God would show him Jesus. And it's not that I'm special. I felt awkward. It was clunky and complicated. It doesn't feel natural. But as that verse tells us, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer. The the answer in mind isn't to be a brilliant apologist, to be able to give amazing answers. It's not about being able to give deep philosophical discussions about faith and the existence of God, although do equip yourself to do that. That's a good thing to do. That's not what this verse is about, though. No, in this context, the preparation to answer is for the hope that you have. It's personal. It's not rocket science. It's not an academic debate. It's not a chance to score rhetorical points. It's to be always be prepared to give a reason for your hope, your faith, why you love Jesus, 
What difference trusting Jesus makes to your life? Why do you pitch up here on a Sunday morning? In this, you know, lovely, refreshed building, but your home's more comfortable than those chairs. Why do you pitch up here? What is your hope? Why is life forever with Jesus your hope? How can you be prepared to talk about your devotion, your reverence for your Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ? And how do you give that answer? Look at the end of the verse. Do this with gentleness and respect. You don't want to fight them. You don't want to berate them. As Christians, we should be the most humble and gracious of people. Why? Because we know that we're all thoroughly sinful. And we don't deserve salvation. We don't have faith in Christ because we're good or clever or deserving. It's not about us. We bring nothing. It's all about Jesus. So we can always answer questions about our hope with gentleness and respect. You know, don't give the impression that you're the expert. Don't be arrogant that we know all the answers. Be gentle. There was a time when you didn't know the truth about Jesus. We needed someone to gently explain it to us. It might have been in a Sunday school group. It might have been when you were a student. It might have been whenever, but someone gently showed you Jesus and the hope that they had. So be like that with those that you talk to. Be respectful. Listen to them. Understand their viewpoints. Ask them what gives them hope, what gets them up in the morning. And seek permission to talk about your hope and your devotion, your reverence for Jesus. Um, Years ago, I used to work up uh, near Oxford Circus. And there was a guy uh, with a loud hailer, and I think he might still be doing it, in which he used to shout in the loud hailer, Are you a sinner or a winner? And at one level, I admired his courage. Quite a busy place, Oxford Circus. But the reality was people were put off the gospel. He berated them. He was aggressive. He made it harder for Christians who worked around Oxford Circus to to share the answer for the hope they had. Don't be like that. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. It says there, keeping a clear conscience. Don't lie. Don't manipulate. Don't be deceitful. Be always honoring to the God who made you and saved you. Commend Christ in what you say and how you say it. Um, I used to be a sales trainer. Actually, the office was just at the traffic lights in Hampton Hill, just up the road, a little converted bungalow. Um, and in some ways, the gospel is a terrible sales pitch, just to make that clear. You know, follow Jesus and expect to be disliked, treated like a foreigner, thought of as weird, stranger in your own country, to face opposition, persecution, death even. Come on, join us, it's great. It's not the strongest unique sales point. But also remember the glorious truths in the gospel. You get to be in an active, living relationship with Almighty God. You have hope, peace, purpose, direction, security, identity. Life makes sense. Even in the darkest moments. What a gospel. What a message. It doesn't actually need us to dress it up to sell it. We just need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, this will be hard. Yes, if you do this, you will face conflict and opposition. Just look on in verses 17 and 18. You may suffer, but that's okay. Jesus is our model. He suffered for our sake, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? To bring us to God. To save us. He was, it says there, put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. He suffered for our sake to give us life, hope. So are you willing to go out of your comfort zone, to be willing to display your passion, your hope in Christ, to be noticed as a Christian, so that others may ask you about your faith? And why would you do that? Well, very quickly as we finish, two big reasons. Firstly, because you love other people. Without Christ, there is no hope, only death. Not knowing Jesus means this life is the best life someone will ever have because the one to come is devastating. But if you know Jesus, however good this life may be, this is the worst life you'll ever live because the one to come is extraordinary, not even comparable with this life. So do we love other people enough to share our hope with them and secondly and most importantly in your hearts revere Christ as Lord love Jesus delight in Jesus be in awe of Jesus be so passionate about him that your hope becomes obvious to all as I finish let me reread verse 15 and then we'll have a moment of quiet before I pray Verse 15, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Father, thank you for the gospel, for the good news about the Lord Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection, his promised return. Thank you for the hope that is given us in this life and the one to come. Pray we would be so enraptured by Jesus that it would be obvious to others and they would ask us and we would have the courage, you'd give us the courage through your Holy Spirit to talk about our passion for Jesus, the words to say and that you would have mercy on those we talk to and open their eyes to see who Jesus truly is and here at St. Michael's Fullwell, at my church, King's Church Walton, across the network and other churches that we would see great growth as people move from death to life as thousands become Christians this year in this great city. Amen.